there's one thing that you would find in newspapers quite lately no i am not speaking about the corona virus pandemic um nor am i speaking about vaccine development in fact i am speaking about a country and that is china yes the same country from where the corona virus originated the same country who is behaving a bit off the tracks quite lately in india's northern frontiers that is the indo china border so while this conflict while these clashes and standoffs between indian and chinese troops is taking place at the india china border there's this agreement that rings in my head and that is the agreement for border peace and tranquility um what was the agreement and how was it negotiated what were the main pillars of the same agreement namaskar and welcome to today's podcast of the divine buzz diaries the place where we analyze global paradigms i ajinkya kaule welcome you all today we are going to look through the border peace and tranquility agreement in the words of none other than former national security advisor shiv shankar menon shiv shankar menon has a in depth experience of border conflicts and international issues and he has been in those diplomats war rooms to ensure peace and stability in his book choices inside the making of india's foreign policy he has clarified some of india's most compelling questions and he has noted down in his book let's see what he has to say he says there are lessons to be drawn from the chinese negotiating behavior during the agreement it seemed very important to china that indian negotiators accept the term line of active control at the beginning of the negotiation classical scholars would call this names being rectified in the classical chinese negotiation lexicon the ultimate goal of insisting on the acceptance of chinese definitions and terms for a negotiation is to establish moral and psychological dominance over an adversary as a necessary corollary to the correct ordering of the negotiation classical chinese texts such as the comprehensive mirror in aid of governance contain several expedients to achieve these goals for the pessimist sun tzu and the 36 stratagems provide considerable material a specific barbaric handling toolbox was first described by its early practitioner the scholar and imperial advisor lao jing in 199 bce and has spread foreign paranoia since then more academically and positively inclined foreigners believe that chinese culture for the past 5000 years has been based on communities strong morality holistic thinking cynicism towards followers today chinese negotiators are comfortable if their advisories are in awe of china's history statecraft and power or all else failing chinese intellectual superiority the term line of actual control was useful to china from the 1950s until the late 1980s 
in providing a shifting open-ended concept of the status quo that China could use to prevent border from becoming military life except where China wished it to be. By 1992, it was clear to both countries that the status quo on the border was unlikely to be changed militarily in the immediate future. Troops from both sides had moved back up to the line and were in contact at most militarily significant points. It had now become the common interest of both India and China to maintain the de facto status quo in practice. The border political costs, he says, for the shift were external to the negotiations and included India's economic reforms, the end of Cold War, the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1990s, the Tiananmen killings and so on. The LSE was therefore the basis of the commitment not to use force to alter the situation in the Border Peace and Tranquility Agreement of 1993, the first ever exclusively related agreement negotiated between the Republic of India and the People's Republic of China. Did the Border Peace and Tranquility Agreement delay a border settlement? Um, he says, and even I agree with his point, um, that that point is quite debatable. It certainly reduced the immediate incentive to settle the boundary, to keep the peace. But the fundamental reason that the boundary settlement is taking so long to my mind and to Mr. Menon's mind is that both sides think that time is on their side, that their relative position will improve over time. Both cannot be right, of course. But so long, so both believe this, this settlement will move forward only very, very slowly. An assertive China is unlikely to seek an early settlement of the border issue, no matter how reasonable India may be, even though the technical work has all been done. Fifty years of stability on the border suggests that give and take on the basis of the status quo is the logical way to move forward. However, China's other interests, including its relationship with Pakistan, its suspicions about Tibet, and its desire to maintain levers in its suspicions and relationships with India suggests that a border settlement dependence on the Indian Ocean and its suspicions about the India defense, US cooperation and strategic cooperation is quite unlikely. But there's more to India and China than the boundary. In fact, the overall salience of the boundary in relationship has diminished considerably over time now that the Border Peace and Tranquility Agreement of 1993 and subsequent confidence milling measures have stabilized the status quo, which neither side had tried to change fundamentally in the last 30 years, even as each side improved its own infrastructure, capabilities and position. Bilaterally, China is now India's largest trading partner, while India competes for global markets. Today, more than 11,000 Indian students study in China, and mechanisms are in place to deal with issues such as trans-border rivers and trade deficit. And on several global issues in multilateral forums, 
both countries have worked together, each in pursuit of its own interests, the World Trade Organization, climate change negotiations, and so on and so forth. So even if India and China do not settle the boundary, there is much to be done and addressed bilaterally by working together on the world stage. Shipshankar Menon says that he is convinced that India is in a moment of opportunity for the Indo-China relations as a result of a rapid development of both countries in the past 30 years of what we have achieved bilaterally in this period and of the evolution of the international situation. Are there border lessons to be drawn about India's foreign policy from this experience? He asks. 30 years of the traumatic defeat in war, India was willing to put the past behind it and move on, pragmatically accepting reality for larger reasons of the state. He says 30 years after the traumatic defeat in a war, India was willing to put the past behind and move on, pragmatically accepting reality for larger reasons of the state. The government of India was willing to change its stand on the LAC in return for the freedom to concentrate on other internal and external priorities, the most important of which was the stabilization and reinvigoration of the Indian economy through opening up and liberalization. The shift given the emotional baggage carried by the relationship with China and the trauma of 1962 was only possible because of some hard work and clever politics outside the public gaze at Prime Minister P.V. Narasimha Rao's behest. So understanding Mr. Shivshankar Menon's consideration and the overall overview of the border agreement, there is one thing that we all know, that India likes peace and is in the pursuit of peace. To know more about international affairs and diplomacy especially, do tune in into the Divine Buzz Diaries, Diplomacy. Until then, take care. Bye-bye.